So about half of Americans are worried about their banks. And I understand why. You know, over the last few weeks, we've seen, uh, you know, three banks that failed, were taken over by, by bigger banks. And each one of these was very specialized. For example, one in the Northeast was heavy into crypto. I think something like 37% of, uh, of their investable assets were in cryptocurrency. That's pretty rare. And then you had two other banks that dealt specifically with multimillionaire high-tech uh, businesses and investors. For example, the Silicon Valley Bank, they had these long-term hold-to-maturity bonds, 20, 30 years, paying uh, very little, probably like, you know, two, two and a three-quarters percent, something like that. And uh, these Silicon Valley tech millionaires and multimillionaires just went online, started moving money out. Well, they had to sell these bonds at discount. So if you've got a million dollars in a bond and you're saying, hey, we need the cash to cover all these people who are moving their money out, well, okay, we'll give you $300,000 for it because it's only paying like 2.5%. Right now I can get something 4 or 5 or whatever. And then you had another bank that was also specialized as well. But we are wondering, what about Delaware, man? Right? Don't we? We're wondering, what about our, uh, our local and regional banks here in Delaware? So I reached out to uh, WSFS, WSFS, as we lovingly call it, and got a hold of Dominic Canuso. Dominic is Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. He's on the phone right now. And Dominic, thanks for being on. Really appreciate it, sir. Good morning. Happy to be with you. Yeah, I'm really glad that you are. So um, we're, we're looking at some of these banks and some and, and how specialized they, they are. How do banks like Silicon Valley, Signature, and First Republic, how do they differ from uh, the majority of banks, not just WSFIS, but others here in Delaware? Sure. Yeah. And as a reminder, there's more than 4,000 banks in the country. So you're you're always going to have some that are very specialized in their business model. And I think in the cases that you've mentioned, they had very unique customer types. But at the end of the day, there's an expression in banking that concentration kills. And it's most important that you manage and monitor your concentrations. And for them, whether it was a concentration in crypto or concentration in customer industry, for example, venture capital, or even the types of the deposits, the size of those deposits, they can lead to unintended consequences if you have too much of them. And for the most part, you know, as I've said, there's those are three banks, and there's maybe a handful more that there's focus on in the market these days, but that's out of over 4,000 banks. And most banks manage their concentration very well, are very safe, have significant capital levels to support their operations, to support their customers. And at the end of the day, across the country, two-thirds of customer deposits are insured by the FDIC with much more insured in other ways by working with their bank. And so while it is an interesting, interesting Gallup poll, I think a lot of it comes down to the hype around these particular banks, not necessarily the reality of banking today. So when you think about the, the banks around here, we want our money to be safe. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's, that's why we put our money in the banks. And we want to be safe, knowing full well that there are people online trying to hack and steal money and, and things like that. But but we expect the banks to be fairly safe. So would you think about the, the way that local banks here, um, your competition, M&T, even something huge like Wells Fargo, uh, something smaller like Artisans Bank, 
and and then you guys here at, at Wisfis. Um, give us a, just an idea, a thirty thousand foot view of uh, you know the assets, liabilities, and uh, and and you know how those uh, investments and savings compare to some of these other banks that we've read about recently. Sure. Yeah, and one of the benefits of regional banking is that our banks, a bank like Wisfis, focused on our region while is gathering deposits in our region is investing in our region, whether it's through loans or investment portfolios, et cetera. And so that's one of the benefits of banking with a regional bank because they're very familiar with their markets that they're in. I think locally, it it starts with a very stable um, and growing economy, uh, whether it's the greater Delaware region, greater Philadelphia region, we're tied to a very stable economy. And these banks have a longstanding history of smart decision-making and ultimately focusing on their customers, both on the consumer side and the small business and commercial side. And that brings up a lot of experience. And as we've seen in our region, most deposits, a majority of deposits are secured. And while many customers have access to uh, mobile banking, you know, using their phone to manage their account, check their balances, at the end of the day, if you should have a conversation with your banker, ask them what's best for you. There are tools and opportunities to make you feel more comfortable that you may not be using. And we would encourage, and we've had many conversations, thousands of conversations with our customers to make sure that they are comfortable and they're using all the tools at their disposable disposal at, that's important to them to help them feel good about their money. You know, Dominic, you talk about the, t- the tools, and thank you for uh, for that part of the question that I asked regarding uh, deposits. Uh, these banks around here, the majority of the depositors have uh, less than $250,000, you know, per individual, $500,000 for a couple, things like that. But you talk about these tools. So uh, all I know is that, for example, your bank has a money market paying 4%. Cool. That's wonderful. And uh, and I'd like to stay there, and I just want to know the bank's solid, and I believe that you guys are. Even so people, regular folks, we can't really go to the bank and say, well, let me look at your books. I, w- I want to see how much you got in commercial banking versus how much you have in jumbo loans and things like that. That's just not possible, right? Well, it is available publicly, but to your point, in all aspects of our life, we don't want to understand that the details behind all the businesses we work with, yeah. which is why having that relationship at your bank matters and having those conversations and hearing the, the elements that's important to you. You know, what what am I covered? Are there other ways? You know, how is the bank feeling? Can you give me a little bit more detail? And yeah. I can speak to our case where all of our, uh, you know, customer-facing associates are well-prepared to have those conversations to answer the questions and concerns customers may have. So if someone's and, con- so you know, concerned... I think that goes a long way. Yeah, so Dominic, you said there's tools uh, for people to, to even, uh, um, as, as I understand uh, the statement, to more fully uh, guarantee your money's safe and things like that. What sort of tools are you talking about? Yeah, so there's beyond just retitling your accounts to make sure you're benefiting from the full aspects of the FDIC insurance, which, as you mentioned, on a single and, you know, a dual account, there's other ways to title accounts to extend beyond that. But then beyond just the titling and the FDIC insurance, there's tools like sweeps or what's called CEDARS, which is 
uh, a bank network to distribute excess deposits greater than 250 so that while your money may be at WISFIS, we can diversify your deposit base across multiple banks and we reciprocate that. So ultimately, it's falling under the FDIC insurance umbrella or insured in other ways. For more sophisticated customers or larger, whether it's trust accounts or, or wealth accounts, we can collateralize those by pledging the bank assets against oh. those deposits that further provides insurance or protection. So you know, as you go up the sophistication ladder, there's always more that can be done up until the point the customer is comfortable with you know, their balances and their bank and their position. I like the concept of collateralizing the uh, the money. So I'm going to have a little document here. I want to collateralize my money against Dominic's car, and <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it doesn't work quite that way. That, that might not get you much. But no, it, it, definitely having a conversation at Wispus will. Yeah, I understand. Um, what are the reasons that uh, that analysts you're reading, those maybe employed by Wispus and others, what are the reasons uh, they're giving for the stock prices of regional and medium sized banks dropping? over the last few weeks? Sure. Well, clearly the focus on banks for the last few months has created uh, questions. And at the end of the day, the stock market doesn't like uncertainty. And right now for the economy overall, there's a lot of questions. Whether it's the debt ceiling that you know Congress is debating, whether it's the interest rates and the forecast of those interest rates, you know, while the Fed just increased 25 basis points, there's a lot of questions around how long does it stay there? Could it increase it? Could it decrease? You know, there's questions around um, commercial real estate, particularly in hybrid work environments. So I think there's a lot of reasons where there's unanswered questions as to where to forecast some of these economic um, drivers. And in that environment, it's really difficult, particularly in banking, that is really the pump of the economy to determine what the, you know, the market value is. And again, that's really stock market. Mm-hmm. And it may not have anything to do with the safety and soundness or the capitalization of the bank. Remember, those are just trading stocks. Right. And it typically result, you know, the volatility that we've seen is resulting from you know, um, speculation, anything more than reality. Yeah, it could be emotion. I'm really worried about uh, bank stocks. Oh, gosh, I'm going to pull my... But I'm looking at this. I look at your bank, Wissers, for example, and I'm thinking, oh, buying opportunity. Because uh, I know you guys have been, you know, very, very strong, and uh, you're great partners with so many businesses and people here in uh, Delaware and, and throughout the region. But that brings me to another question, and that's something you mentioned, commercial uh, loans. So even before the pandemic... I was reading from analysts and hearing from people that, well, you know, uh, 2008 was uh, was really, really bad, and uh, we might have a commercial uh, loan problem coming out you know, later on that wouldn't be as bad as, as 2008, but uh, it could actually be pretty painful and harmful to uh, banks that may be uh, somewhat over-leveraged leveraged in, uh, in commercial loans. And uh, I, I'm wondering how much of a concern is that amongst people you know, like yourself, your chief financial officer at uh, you know, one of the best uh, and most highly respected banks around here, WISFIS. So you have, uh, I'm sure, you know, trade magazines and people you talk to at other banks and around the country and such. Uh, what are the concerns about uh, the commercial loans that are out there and uh, how that might actually be damaging some banks? in this country? 
Sure. And I go back to something I said earlier on the deposit side is concentration matters. And, you know, it's really important. Banks are the prime the engine of the economy. And it's important that they lend in all aspects, whether it's, you know, retail, whether it's residential, um, you know, in, in small business, et cetera. So it's important that those loans are out there. And if you have too much concentration in any particular type of loan, that could lead to outsized risk if there's an issue. Most banks are diversified. And so, you know, not all sectors of the economy ebb and flow at the same time. Think about what happened right after COVID, where retail businesses and retail, you know, and restaurants, you know, went through a period of disruption. What we find really impressive about business owners is their resiliency. These are smart people that run businesses and can adapt to the environment. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's making sure when you're a bank, you're working with really smart um, entrepreneurial but sound business owners that can adapt. Is there likely risk in some real estate, uh, particularly office in central business districts? There could be risk there. Uh, it, it, you know, there's there's definitely reprice risk, which means in a higher interest rate environment, you know, loans cost more. But these are resilient business owners and real estate will always be in demand and you can, you know, change how you're using your office space. I think even in modern times, business owners want more space, more flex space for their associates or employees. And you may be shifting from cubicles to open floor plans, et cetera. So yeah. there's a lot in play here. I think there's definitely heightened risk. I think there's a lot of attention on it. Um, and, you know, it will definitely play out over the next 12 to 24 months. How is it, is it even possible uh, for, for folks like us, um, just regular folks who have accounts at the banks, to be able to take a look at, uh, you know, how much commercial uh real estate or commercial investment uh, that any particular bank as a percentage of uh, invested assets, that sort of thing? Absolutely. Most most banks are public companies and or uh, do share some of that information publicly for our regulators. So it is available. A lot of times, you know, if you're an investor, you can reach out to the investor investor relations department. We get a handful of questions regularly around the details of the bank. Each quarter, we present our uh, meaningful value drivers of the business mm -hmm. in our um, investor relations section. And uh, I think that to, you know provides significant insight into if, if you're interested in that level of detail. You know, most consumers don't necessarily want to go through that. But if you do, it's there. And most companies are happy to answer the questions. I think what we've seen, particularly over the last few months, what banks are reporting on after the first quarter are really focused on deposits. Yeah. The, the concentration of deposits, the insured amount of deposits, there's more detail on the CRE. And I think a lot of information is out there. I would go back, though, to the best thing customers can do is speak to their banker yeah. and have the conversation because everyone will have 
something different that they're focused on and want a different element of their concerns answered. Yeah, I realize fractional banking is a part, it's, it's an important model uh, to American banking system, wherein uh, I believe the number is 10%. percent you got to have 10% of uh, all the assets on hand. And then the rest, I mean, you, you loan out. To, and that's how, that's how banks stay in business and pay their employees and give money in their 401k plans and things like that. So that's the business model. Um, but I'm wondering, uh, to the 30,000-foot view, Dominic, and people who do what you do for a living, how much of a role do you think uh, fractional banking actually plays in this? Yeah, I actually think what's different now, and most importantly in this environment, is in the digital banking world, it's really harder to see the movement of money, right? When we talked about the few banks that had failed two months ago, $60 billion were moved out of one of those banks in one day, but there was not one line at a branch because money is moved digitally today. Mm-hmm. Right. You can do it online. You could do it through your phone. You can do it, you know, through a mobile app. And so I think the challenge in this environment is making sure that there's transparency at a much quicker pace than there ever has been in banking. Um, and especially with the rapidly changing technology and the way that consumers are using the bank. And I think that's where the focus will be going forward. Mm-hmm. I think the fractional banking model, the physical cash you may have at a branch, the physical bank cash you need to hold in securities uh, are, are working. I think it's the speed of the movement of money and the ability to see that is what's where we'll, we will focus going forward yeah. as an industry. Interesting. Uh, one question from Steve, then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, it's uh, Dominic I, Caruso, oh. but, well, Executive Director yes. and Vice President, I'm sorry, Executive Vice okay. President and CFO at WISFIS. Yeah, Steve, what's your question? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put you at ease, Rick. Um, um, CFO guy, um, is it true that I can get up to $1,250,000 uh, FDIC coverage if I have a single account with five beneficiaries on it? You can use multiple beneficiaries to increase that to that level, yes. Oh, wow. Well, Steve, and, and, I'm glad you and, said that. And if you go to the FDIC website, they will give you the tools to evaluate your situation and to provide yes. suggestions on how to best use that. But but, but a single person can have one point two five. $1,250,000 in the bank, be fully insured if, if I put five beneficiaries on there, right? Yeah, that's, I believe that's, the that's what I said. Steve, thank you, Steve. Uh, you have eased my mind. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Uh, Dominic, is there anything else you want people to know? Well, I, the, what I would say most is there's obviously a lot of news in the press, in the media, on TV, and I would say there are a lot of bankers in your region focused on you, focused on our local economy and working very, very hard to make sure that um, we continue to thrive in our communities and we continue to grow and you continue to be safe. And so we just encourage, um, you know, for those that do have questions to reach out to your banker, to reach out to the companies you work with. And I think, you know, you'll, you'll be in a much better position than maybe what the Gallup poll suggests. I understand. And you feel pretty confident about the banks in our area being uh, in, in good shape. 
They have a lot of history in this region. You know, Wispus is 191 years old, and we're very committed to our communities and to continue to grow them for years and decades to come. All right, Dominic Caruso, Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer of Wispus. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate you being on and, uh, and just, you know, handling all these questions, sir. Thank you. Happy to. Thanks, Rick.